Cameron Burgess, and you're listening to the Film Focus Podcast. Well, it was a frustrating Saturday afternoon as Fulham slipped to a 2-1 defeat at home to Aston Villa. A costly throw-in, and Moon is on the money again. Joining me are Dylan and Kish to reflect on a villainous cottage afternoon and look ahead to this coming weekend as the Whites head to Old Trafford to face Manchester United in the Premier League. Thrown away, I'm Wigo and this is your Fulham Focus Podcast. Okay, guys, thanks very much for joining me. Um, unfortunately, it is after a defeat, but still, we have a review to do. Um, we'll just start by getting your overall thoughts on the game. So, Kish, I'll come to you first. How do you feel about Saturday? What are your overall thoughts on it? Yeah, it's a tough one, really. I mean, I thought the first half was dreadful. I thought the second half was better. Um, but ultimately, it's it's mistakes and it's quality in the final third that Villa had and we didn't. And, you know, they're a good team. They're missing a few players, but... There was nothing I saw at the weekend that makes me think we're out of the question for the United on Saturday, and that's a nice place to be in. Yeah, and absolutely. You mentioned those mistakes. Dylan, I mean, it's happened a few times this season. Just how costly do you think mistakes have been for us this season? Do you think do you actually think we'll be any higher up the league if we did cut out this these rubbish mistakes, really? Uh it's just difficult to say, isn't it? Because obviously we've 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 had this debate all season about do we need a... Well, we obviously needed a better striker at the start of the season and you wonder where we'd be if we'd had a bit of added firepower then. And now that Muniz has turned up, we seem to have started making mistakes at the back. So I don't know if we're ever going to win, but I feel like if we're going to make costly mistakes, this is probably the season to do it. I know that sounds bad, but I don't think we're going to go down. We're not challenging for Europe, um, so... Yeah, but I mean, at this level, you know, you can't make mistakes because at the top end of the game, they just get punished. That every single one will be uh, will be capitalised upon. Yeah, absolutely. And this one was uh, Anthony Robinson with his fresh new haircut, not really expected. Um, sort of dropped a bit of a stinker in the first half, really. Um, you know, a throw on which I mean, God knows what he was doing. Um, straight straight into the path of Willian, who, well, actually it wasn't. It was well past Willian. Um, Kish, what are your thoughts on that first goal? I mean, it's just shocking, isn't it, really? Yeah, it's something, unfortunately, we've got a bit used to, which is bedding into a game, starting to look like we've got something about us, and then suddenly you're 1-0 down because someone's given away a penalty or someone's made an error. I mean, we hope that, the shaving of Anthony Robinson wasn't going to be the end of his magic powers. I mean, he he really did like Bambi on ice in the first half. Um, a few mistakes, but the throw-in in particular, I've seen us do that previously. I've seen us throw the ball across the pitch, William come back and pick it up, but not that close to our own box. I mean, that is it's pretty risky. It went terribly, terribly wrong. And look, he redeemed himself slightly in the second half, but it summed up what was a pretty, pretty sloppy first half from Fulham and it put us on the back foot immediately and you can't give Watkins those kind of chances. And ultimately, that has cost us the game, hasn't it? If you look at the result after 90 minutes, that's cost us the game. Dylan, I mean, it was nearly, probably should have been 2-0 in my, my eyes. Uh, that Moreno disallowed goal, it looked onside to me. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Because we'll come on to sort of tactics and our defending later, but we look really dodgy from set pieces at the moment, don't we? 
Yeah, yeah, it wasn't a strong point. Yeah, I, I, I thought we were lucky that it was disallowed because it, I mean, to me, it looked like he was onside, and it was, it was like the finest of margins, wasn't it? I mean, hate to bring back that phrase from a few years ago, but um, yeah, boo hiss, fine margins, but it was, it was a close call. Uh, let's call it that. Um, and yeah, we were lucky to get away with it. But the thing is, is when you get a sort of a lucky break like that, you can't, you just can't make mistakes and you know, concede silly goals. I know the second one was obviously a bit better, but it just makes you think, like, well, have we not conceded that first goal? We might have got a point from the game, even maybe even three on a different day, but it wasn't to be. And it took a while as well, VAR intervening again. And I'm not sure if it was my beer-clouded eyes, but I saw the picture and I thought he was onside. Am I, am I wrong? Am I mistaken by that? Because I've seen a lot of Villa fans say they thought it was onside as well. Yeah, I think... I, I... Sorry, you go, Dylan. Oh, no, yeah, I, th- I think you probably interpret it either way, to be honest. Um, it's just referees seem to be making the uh, the unpopular call right now, or at least the one that um, that looks wrong from the outset. So, yeah, I thought it was a goal, but evidently so, not. It's always nice when you have a rare moment of like both sets of fans singing the same thing, but I thought both fans making their views clear of the huge delay on VAR, the lack of any sense of what was going on was quite nice, actually. Um, yeah, I mean, the picture, the still look to me looks like it's onside. It's pretty marginal. Um, we got away with one, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And VAR again intervened. This time, I would probably say correctly, Tim Ream having the ball in the net. Um, not too much to say there, really. I don't think he was definitely offside, but he, he took it well. Um, and perhaps something we'd been missing from a left-footed well, finisher, I suppose. Um, I do miss Finney, but um, yeah, perhaps that was something we'd been missing from Tim Ream, uh, from our strikers, sorry. Okay, so overall, not a good first half. Couldn't get much worse, actually. On to the second. Turns out it could get much worse. <laughs> Ollie Watkins again uh, with a second goal. Atrocious defending yet again. Kish, I'll come to you on this one. Um, yeah, what are your thoughts on that? Because you know, it was a real mountain to climb, wasn't it, when that second went in? Yeah, I mean... Sort of, I don't want to put it down to individual errors or to, to dig out players in particular, but we seemed to decide that we wanted to jump in aggressively and try and stop them from getting on the board and running at us. The problem is if you jump in that aggressively, you've A, got to be quick enough to get there and B, you've got to get the judgment right. And I don't think our centre-backs were really doing that all game. Um, you know, he's too quick in behind to, to push up like that. And if you get it wrong, you get done in behind. And that's what happened. I mean, we'll break down the tactics a bit later, hopefully. Um, as you've probably seen online, um, I've had a go at that already. And I think I understand why the desire from someone like Tim Reamer is to Diop is to get into them and stop things from progressing. But he's that quick. He's that deadly in front of goal. It left us with a real mountain to climb. And ultimately, even though things did improve, a bit too much to do, I'd say. Yeah, and Dylan, when that second goal goes in and you see Watkins running away celebrating ex-Brentford, which doesn't help, what what are you thinking? Are you thinking it's game over or are you thinking, we, you know, we can still get something out of this? I think when you go two goals down to a team like Villa's, you know, Villa's quality of thinking that is game over. Um, and, you know, even when we got one back, I just couldn't really see us winning. If, if anything, I thought it was probably more likely to end up 3-1 once we once we got that goal back. Um, but, I mean, at home, you know, we've always got a chance, more so than when we're playing away, I think. Um, but, yeah, 2-0 down to Villa just seems, you know, they'll, they'll, have, they'll have the quality to, to see it out. And, and so it proved. And the contentious decisions keep, kept on coming, really. Diop got the absolute runaround and... You know, potential foul on Ollie Watkins there. 
I mean, guys, let's have your thoughts on that. Originally, when it happened on the day, I thought it was a penalty. Um, I can't lie. As, as glad as I am that it wasn't given, um, I, I thought it was. Dylan, what do, you, what do you think? Do you think we got away with one again? Yeah, yeah, I think we were probably quite lucky to get away with it. Um, yeah, it, it just, uh, you go back to what I said earlier, like um, when we're getting those decisions from the referees, which we know doesn't happen every week, um, um, yeah, we're just not backing it up on the pitch with a with a solid and stable performance. So even though, you know, we're getting the rub of the green, um, we still we still find ourselves two goals down. Um, and yeah, I mean, lucky to get away with it, but ultimately it didn't really make a difference. Still. I mean, 2 and 3 and at the end of the day, it's only going to be one goal on the goal difference, isn't it? But, you know, um, yeah, just, I mean, I, as far, I wasn't at the game on Saturday, but as, you know, from what I've gathered, I, I don't think the referee had a, a good game at all, but, you know, sometimes that is just the way, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I'll tell you what, let's talk about the referee now, actually. I had it down for later in the show, but let's do it now, um, because I can't hold my tongue much longer. Um, Lewis Smith, first game in the Premier League, uh, another Premier League debutant uh, in the middle of the pitch. Overall, I think the general consensus is that he was, for want of a better word, shit. Um, <clears throat> Kish, what, what were your thoughts on him? And I mean, I, I feel like it's fairly obvious, but great to, uh, great to get your take on it. Oh, I always try my best not to talk about refs, but he, he made it very hard not to. And I, like everyone else in the hammy, was making it very clear what I thought at the end of, of added time, which there wasn't any of because the ball was out of play for all of it or Villa were on the floor for all of it. He didn't seem to really notice. I think by the end, he sort of just wanted to get down the tunnel and, and forget it had ever happened, to be honest. And it was good that Fulham fans made their, their views of him very clear because it saved Marco from getting a fine for digging him out in the post-match interview like he normally does. I mean... I think online people are getting confused between a couple of different things. I don't think any fans are suggesting that the reason Fulham lost the game was because of the referee. I think he was poor. Um, I think he denied Villa a pretty clear penalty from from my view. So he could be bad without it being the reason we lost the match. And look, I think I don't understand why it seems to be the case that we're the guinea pigs for, for new Premier League referees. I mean, I, I wonder if it's the case that they think we're a mild-mannered bunch and we're not going to give them too much abuse. But perhaps that's changed after what happened at the weekend because it was pretty loud at the end of the game. And Craven Cottage isn't loud that often, so he managed to really, really annoy us. Yeah, and I think as well, 23 seconds being added on to 95. What a joke that is. A, a disgrace, really. Um but, you know, at 2-1 as well, we're still in the game. We're still in with a fighting chance. And it was that goal and that man again, Rodrigo Muniz, 4-3. I mean, who would have ever predicted this before kickoff at Burnley as well? Um, <laughs> Dylan, what's happened to him? I mean, it's not even... He's not just scoring. These are proper instinctive strikers, poachers goals, aren't they? Um, what's happened to him? I don't know. He looks like he's been playing in the Prem for a while, though, which is you know, a miracle for a man who couldn't seem to get a game at Middlesbrough last year. Um, but no, look, the finish was a great one. Um, you know, There may, may have been a slight mix-up between defender and goalkeeper, but it was still great like, anticipation and um, forward thinking from Muniz to get into that position and get to the ball first. And actually, you know, because I don't think the Muniz of a few months ago um you know would score that goal in fact I think he'd probably clatter into the defender or the keeper if not both at the same time but um no it's it's very welcome especially as you know we signed Broder and he, he now well he was he was ill on Saturday whether that's you know just um, a short-term injury or whatnot I don't exactly know but um 
yeah, it's it's good to be finally getting some goals from somewhere like a consistent source. Well, um, but I guess that is the next question: is is how long can he um, can he keep up this kind of form? And he's still raw, and there's still a lot of improvements for him to make. I think we can all see that it's fantastic that he's scoring goals, but I think his overall game still needs work. But every player can still improve. Kish, what? Where do you think the improvements are for Muniz for him to take that level up? I mean, you know, we want him to score consistently against against big teams as well. So what can he do, do you think, to ensure that uh, ensure that happens and keep keep banging them in? Yeah, he's a fascinating one, Muniz. I mean, it feels like he's been Marco's pet project for a little while and it slightly went wrong because he went to Barra and didn't play at all. Um, and it, we've already seen significant improvement, right? So he always had the nuisance factor. He always worked hard. He always chased hard. He always tried to get on the ball and made himself a physical presence. That was always there. The thing he didn't have was he didn't make decisive runs in the box. He wasn't in the right place at the right time to poach goals. Suddenly, that bit seems to have been happening. Um, so first question is, can he keep that up? Can he keep on getting into the right place at the right time? Doesn't mean he's going to always score, but is he going to get on the end of chances that we fashion out for him? I mean, he had no right to get on that at the end of that ball um, from Robinson, who did really well, by the way, to make it. I mean, that's right in front of where I sit in the ground and, I have absolutely no idea, still having seen the replay, quite how that ends up in the back of the net from that speculative ball over the top from TC. Um, so you know, he's got that striker's instinct suddenly. One, can he keep that going? The second thing is, does his overall game, does his place in the build-up, does his touch, does his layoffs, do, does his passing improve at all? I mean, I presume we're going to talk about Adama at the end a bit later when we look at subs and what happened. He played a lovely little ball through to Adama, if I'm not mistaken, right at the end. So, you know, if suddenly that starts coming off as well, you've got a fairly complete centre forward. Whether we can do it consistently or not, it's the big question. But he starts to look like a really useful part of a squad. And if he's not the main man, which he is at the moment, long may it continue, he certainly looks like an able deputy. And that's a pretty valuable thing in the Premier League. Yeah, absolutely. And funny enough, you mentioned Adama. We are going to come on to him now. And that chance, really. Now, I had flashbacks of Arsenal away thinking that Adama's in and he's going to salvage something and it wasn't to be. Um, Dylan, it was a fantastic ball by Muniz, a really great pass. Traore's in, uh, you think it's going to be 2-2. Is it, it's a good save, but should he do better? Yeah, I think ultimately he, he's probably got to do better there. It reminds me a bit of, you know, at the start of the season, Arsenal away. I, I, don't, I think you might have been in... Um, you know, the land of the casinos then. Um, but he had a similar chance right at the end um, and he missed that. Um, I mean, that would have been great if he'd scored that and we'd nick three points. But um, yeah, he just, I mean, you know, end product has never been his strong point. It's always been his sort of sheer pace and power and he can beat five men just in a straight line. Uh, but then when it comes to actually getting the ball to go towards goal, he, he's not the best in the world. Um, but yeah, after... It's difficult to say. I don't exactly know how he gets better, other than just practicing these things. But you know, he's he's played for Barcelona, so he must be he must be fairly good. But um, yeah, I just don't feel that confident in him ever scoring. I mean, him playing should be an achievement after the the past few months we've we've had after signing him. But uh, yeah, hopefully he'll get a goal soon. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And in the reverse fixture against Villa, we actually saw some flashes of brilliance, um, despite being three one down. And there was a couple. On Saturday as well, we managed to maze through a few players, um, if I remember rightly. And, you know, he looked okay. The sort of pace is a different option. Kish, what do you think about 
Adama. I mean, he offers something different to the wingers we currently have. Um, and we signed him on a free. I know he's been injured, but to have him back now, is that is he a good option for us to have? Yeah, I mean, the best thing about Adama is that we can now all confirm he's definitely a real human being. Because there was a point where I thought he was sort of an internet practical joke and that we'd never actually signed him and it was always going to be revealed at the end that this was some kind of scam. I mean, look, he's a real football player. Um, you know, he's very, very fast. I think Marco did something interesting off the bench. Uh, and I presume we'll talk about the subs in a bit more detail because I thought Alex Awavey was brilliant and hopefully we'll get a chance to chat about him in a bit. But, you know, we played Adama off the right and we played, we played Wilson off the left. Um, conventional wingers getting around the outside. Villa liked to keep really, really narrow. So that made a lot of sense. I mean, I I also was at, at Arsenal away and I think I replayed that goal in my, that knocked goal in my head from Adama for about two weeks afterwards. I don't quite feel the same way about this one because having done the Arsenal one, I never quite thought it was going to stick it away. Um, but look, he's very direct. We sometimes say Fulham are a bit one-paced other than Robinson. They lack a bit of speed. He's certainly got that and bags of it. Um, I, I know a couple of people online are wondering whether he should start against whatever centre-back they put at left-back for United. Now Luke Shaw's injured again. I mean, my worry is he'll get injured after about 20 minutes because he's got too many muscles to pull. But he offers something different. And I think that can only be a good thing for, for Marco to have at his disposal when he's got it. Yeah, and you did you mentioned Alex Awobi, obviously Calvin Bassey as well coming back. Harry Wilson coming on as a sub as well, uh, returning from injury recently, which is really good. So we've got options here, and we've got we've got depth, and we've got we've got good options as well. Um, I tell you, Wobi was the big one. Obviously, Tim Ream stepped in at centre half lately and has looked pretty solid. Um, but yeah, it won't be coming on uh, at half time for Willian, which is a bit of a worry. But that's another conversation. How good was Iwobi, guys? I, I mean, it's it's so good to have him back, especially after the stick he was getting after the uh, Afcon final as well. Undeserved, I'd say, because I mean, he's proved us all wrong. He's a great player. Yeah, anyone come in? What do you think? Yeah, no, I'm I'm so glad we've got we've got him and Bassi back because I think this I think the Arsenal game just before they left proved just how you know important they are for our team now. I know we were a bit sceptical when we originally signed him because. It was a big fee, wasn't it? Something like 20, 20 million, maybe a bit more than that for a guy who only had one year left on his deal at Everton. But I think it kind of looks a snip now in, in today's market, which sounds a bit ridiculous anyway. But no, he, he's great. And um, it was also good to have Bassi back. I know Iwobi was on for a, a bit longer than Bassi, but yeah, just a pair of them. Um, it would be nice if they won the tournament, but you know, these things happen in football. And getting to the final is, I suppose, better than getting to the semi finals. If, if you're going to go beyond the group stage you may as well try and go the whole way so uh, yeah unfortunately they come off for them but uh, no it's great to have them both back and hopefully they'll be both in from the start against United It was great to hear just the, the incredible reception they both got as well when they first came out to warm up I mean obviously losing a final is really difficult They both, I think Iwobi in particular has had a bit of stick but you know great reaction from the fans lovely to see him back he's sort of he's a, he's a very interesting player in that he can sort of play anywhere in midfield or off the off the striker and out wide on either flank and seems to always sort of get chucked in wherever we're lacking somebody. So, you know, William goes off, he's normally our primary creator, Iwobi comes on, steps into the fold really well and then sort of moves progressively across the pitch as various subs come on. He's really versatile, he's really good, he's direct, he works hard, he's got a bit of spark about him. Fulham sometimes look a little bit stale in that final third. I mean, the question, I guess, for Iwobi is, where is he going to play? Um, if if Willian's injured, maybe we see him off the left a fair bit. Um, 
if everyone was fit, I think he'd be giving Andreas a, a run for his money because I think we could use a little bit more creativity in that number 10 position and he probably offers that in bags as well. Yeah, I agree. And do you know what? We talk about left wingers as well. I think Harry Wilson going over to the left, I feel like it's the first time I've seen a left-footed player at left wing since Ryan Sessegnon. Um, Really interesting. Do we think that was to suit Adama more out on the right? Because I know against Bournemouth, Traore came on on the left um, and looked a bit out of sorts, really. So I wonder, do we think that is potentially to suit him and see what Wilson is like on the left? Because we used to seeing him cutting on, cut in on his left. Um, yeah, what were your thoughts on that one? That was something I'd not seen from Wilson anyway. Yeah, I, I can come in. I, I mean... I think the thing about Villa is they, they like to sit very narrow, um, both when they attack and when they defend. And we'll, we'll look, maybe we'll chat a bit about why they were so dangerous in different ways against us in a bit. But when they crowd those central areas, if you're coming inside, you want somebody who's got a lot of lot of technique in small spaces. I don't think that's really a Dharma Traore's bag. Um, what we need to do is get around the sides of them. They leave space, leave space out wide. Um, and I guess by keeping wingers on the traditional sides, on their strong foot, so you, you've got the ability to do that. Wilson is quite one-footed. So when he plays off the right, you really do think he's going to come in every single time. In a way, having him off the left means he can go both ways. And and I thought it looked pretty effective to me. So again, with Willian out, I wonder if we'll see a little bit of that, or even if we see wingers changing in game to give, give defenders a bit, a bit to, to answer. Um, but I thought it looked pretty good. I don't know what you thought, Dylan. Yeah, no, I think, you know, obviously Wilson is, is quite like notoriously one footed. I do like watching him cut in, but I think, you know, if it if it sort of aids the team's cause by having him on the um on on the left, uh, you know, the sorry, I got a bit confused <laughs> a bit confused over the left right. Um no, yeah, having him on the left um probably aids the aids the actual performance of the team a little bit more in this situation where Williams obviously out as well. Um, and yeah, I, I don't think he looks out of place there. Um, and then, yeah, like you say, when he, he does play on the right, he's, he's obviously always looking to cut in. I, I suppose having him on the other hand, other side just gives him the opportunity to go both ways. And maybe we see sort of a different facet to his game that we don't really see when he's, when he's cutting in from the, the right. Um, yeah, no, I'd be interested to see if he's in, um, you know, starting against United and how that will fare. Especially if, you know, Luke Shaw is out and they they might have Lindelof. Um, it could be, I think, well, they, they brought on Lindelof yesterday and they also took off Maguire at half-time. Um, so I don't know if Evans will be in from the start or if that was just a, a tactical one. But, uh, no, very interested to see. And then maybe a bit more of a Dharma, who knows? Yeah, and um, we'll come on to United um, a bit in a bit. But first of all, I think, let's, Kish, you mentioned um, how narrow Aston Villa played. Obviously, um, for anyone that doesn't know, Kish's account, uh, Cottage Tactico on X, formerly Twitter, uh, gave a really interesting breakdown of the game on Saturday. Um, Kish, if you're all right to just tell us a little bit more about, from that tactical perspective, what you saw of the game. You know, are there positives for Fulham to take there or were we undone by a really, really good Villa side here? Yeah, they're, they're a good team and I think they're very, very well coached. And often when we play teams, I think, Marco is leagues ahead of a lot of the managers he faces in the Prem at the moment. He's, he's got really, really solid plans. I think Eno Emery is probably as equal, if not a little bit better at times. So it was it was really interesting to see them go head to head. I think there's a couple of different ways we could look at this. I thought, first of all, defensively, I think we struggled. 
Um, and there are a couple of reasons for that. One, I think before the game, there was a lot of chat of, oh, they're going to play two left-footed centre-halves. We can really get into that. And I think a lot of us maybe remembered Calvin Bassey against Spurs and the sort of the, the drama we've had dealing with that ourselves. Um, and Emery did a pretty good job of, of sort of hiding him in a, in a back three at times with, with Cash tucking in and stopped us from getting involved um, on that side of things. And then we've already talked a bit about defensively, how we seem to be stuck between wanting to press and wanting to jump up and engage attackers early. And also being worried that Villa, when they break the press, they've got a load of players inside who all run straight at you. And we saw that with a couple of the goals and a couple of the chances, including that one that went in very, very early. And I thought, oh God, here we go. Um, but it was offside. And we seem sort of to slightly struggle with how to get to grips with that defensively. And in terms of them being narrow, like you mentioned, so Jacob Ramsey started on the left for them on this game, sits inside almost like an extra central midfield player or an extra attacking midfield player. And we seem to really struggle to sort of work out who should be picking him up. Should it be Bobby Reed tracking back? Should it be Castagna coming inside? And and it seemed to cause a bit of havoc at times. You could see uh, sort of after we just about scraped through in the first half, Castagna pointing at Reed and vice versa. Um, if we're talking about what it means for us going forward, um, there's there's a number of things. I think we all want to have a chat about whether we see Calvin Bassey and Alex Awobi and maybe even Tosin come in for United. And I think if we are trying to engage teams high, the speed of Bassey and the and the speed of, of, of Tossin might be quite useful. And in terms of, of us going forward, I think our left-hand sides look really good for a long time now. We need a little bit more from the right. And I thought I thought Bobby really struggled at the weekend. I love him. Um, but I think it might be time to think about whether we see a Wilson or someone else out there to, to give United something to think about. Sorry, that was very long. Um, if you if you if you like long tactical stuff, have a look at me on Twitter. For now, let's let's chat more generally and I can stop banging it on and boring everybody. I think just one thing, actually, before we do do that. Um, okay, yeah, just before we get on to uh, United, actually, just wanted to check. So we saw Ollie Watkins get flagged offside a lot in the first half, more than most away teams have uh, when they come to the cottage. So obviously, I know the second goal wasn't great defensively, but first half, did we hold the line really well or was Watkins just a bit too eager, really? Um, I think it's probably, you know, a bit, a little bit of both. Um, I I. I I, th- I thought um, actually what I was typing um, that you know he'd been caught offside more than anyone else this this season, but it was it's actually Darwin Nunez. Uh, but I, I thought I'd, I'd heard his name in some sort of debate around offsides. Um, obviously, I got a little bit mixed up there, um, but no, I, I thought that you know defence looked reasonably solid, um, and you know, but he is just he's always trying to play on that line and get in behind because as you said, you know, we've been engaging quite high. Um, so I think he's probably just trying to capitalise on that space in behind because, you know, give him a couple of touches, it's probably going to end up in the back of the net. Um, so, yeah, I think it's probably a, a balance of both. I, I don't quite have the uh, the tactical expertise or, or know-how of, of Kish. Uh, I'm more of a, you know, lump it to the big man up front kind of guy. Um, but no, um, yeah, I'd, I'd say my uh, from my much less professional standpoint, it's probably just a little bit of both. Uh, there's nothing professional about what I do. Um, just on, on the offsides, fun fact for people. So um, the Villa, Fulham, that's two of the, the three teams who've caught their opponents offside the most in the Premier League this year. Villa miles ahead of everybody else. They have a really high line. Didn't really trouble us much because Mooney's always dropped back a bit. Um, but yeah, we're quite good at that. And I think we, we do have pretty aggressive, pretty quick defenders. Unfortunately, Reem and Diop are probably not in the in the top list of our quickest, most aggressive defenders. At least they probably shouldn't be. Um, but yeah, we did a decent job of jumping up. I mean, I can't decide if that offside goal 
for Watkins really early on, which made me very, very worried, was a sign of us defending well or really worrying because Diop goes flying off to try and close someone down and leaves Watkins in behind. Um, but yeah, I, th- I thought a lot of people have sort of been a bit harsh on, on I think, both Marco and the centre-backs for how we handled things at the at the weekend. It's a really tricky one, right? If you jump high and you press, you leave space in behind. If you drop off, you let them carry the ball for as long as they want. Either way, they're probably going to hurt you. And ultimately, even with all those mistakes and with that that weakness, we could have easily gotten a point. And you think back to some of the chances that we had towards the end, maybe if we had a bit more added time, we'd have got it over the line. Ref. Well, what we've learned here is Dylan doubted himself as a Sam Allardyce fan by uh, lumping it up to the big man and then hope for the best. Um, But no, interesting. And as you say, look, Aston Villa are a great side. We are on 29 points after 25 games. So we're still averaging over a point a game, which is the sort of form you need to stay up, really. Um, And next, we're going to talk about match number 26 as Fulham head to Old Trafford. Fulham. Right, okay, guys. On to this Saturday, away at Old Trafford, travelling to Manchester United. Um, It's going to be a tough game. What, What are our your overall thoughts on them this season. They've, they've been under a lot of scrutiny, uh, certainly in the media. Yeah, what what do we think? They've picked up some form lately. They actually beat Villa the other week as well. Um, so, yeah, what, what are we thinking? Yeah, I think if you... Well, I think they're getting a lot better over the last couple of weeks. But I think if you look at their team, um, you know, they've got Mainu, Garnacho, Hoyland... Um, so like a young core that's only going to improve. Um, so I just yeah I really I, I'm quite nervous for this game. I, I think had you know when we played them in November, I think that that was a more winnable a more winnable game. Obviously they're a little bit weaker, and obviously we were at home. Uh, yeah, but this I I don't really feel too positive about. I know Hoyland scored in 37 seconds yesterday against Luton. I don't think it'd be quite that quick. Uh, but I do think they're probably going to find a way through quite early on because I, I know they're you know the fans get on their backs quite quite quickly if if you know things aren't going their way or they're they're spurning chances and I I don't think you know players of the you know Garnacho's quality they've got Rashford who you know he he's a bit hot and cold at the moment but he he knows where the back of the net is um, and yeah I just I can't especially with no Polina as well which. Which I sort of realised this morning that he picked up a late booking on Saturday, and you realise it's two game, two games without him for. It could be, it could be a long afternoon, but hopefully I'm going to be proved wrong. I thought it would be a cricket score against Arsenal. I kind of think it might be a cricket score this weekend, and we all know what happened against Arsenal. So fingers crossed for more of the same. Yeah, I think I think we're all expecting goals. Um, I, I, I mean, United never looked like leaving a clean sheet. We were always good for at least one mistake in a game to give the opposition a way in. I, I, I'd imagine both teams are going to score. Don't quote me on that. I'll get your bets on everyone. I mean, let's start with the reasons to be to be fearful, like you said, Dylan. I mean, that front three are quick. All three of them are rapid. Garnacho, Hoyland and Rashford. And you saw a bit of the problem we had with Watkins and Bailey at the weekend from Villa. I think if we're going to weather that, we need to make some changes. And I think I think Bassey definitely needs to come in. I'm a huge fan of Tim Ream and everything he offers on the ball. But I think that extra speed, that extra sort of aggression on the cover, 
I think is going to be really important. So I'd love to see Calvin Bassi play. I'd imagine he'd be tempted to chuck Tosin in if his head's still in the right place and he's not already signed for Milan or wherever he's going in the summer. Um, but yeah, I don't know what you guys think. But I think if we're going to combat that scary bit of United, which is their front three, we might need a few changes. But there's some other reasons why we might fancy it going the other way. But we can talk about those in a bit. Yeah, well... Last time we headed to Old Trafford was in the league, um, obviously a couple of months after that cup disaster. Um, but we did lose 2-1 on the last day of the season. Kenny Tete opening uh, the scoring and then obviously Alexander Mitrovic. Shock, horror, missing a penalty um, to make it 2-0. Um, did only lose 2-1. Possession, just got the stats up here, actually. Possession, we had 47%. Uh, United had 53. Shots, they had 21 to our 10 and 8 on target to our 3. Um so, you know, in terms of possession, it, it was fairly even and shots, OK. I think there was a spell in the first half where we did get peppered. Um, but look, the last few games, it's, there's been a goal in it, right? So there's been there's no reason to not be optimistic. Um, yeah, how how do you see it going, though? I know, obviously, Dylan, you said you're not, you're not too optimistic. Kish, are you... I mean, you can't get less optimistic than Dylan, to be honest. So, do, you know, do you think we can <laughs> nick something here on Saturday? Can we... Can we cause a shock? Can we take it back to uh, the days when Chris Coleman was in charge and Inamoto and Mal Brank scored? Yeah, I remember Zolt and Gira scoring a great goal. Oh, that was at home, to be fair. Um, look, I'm going to try. I'm going to try and not be too positive. I feel like I'm always very, very positive. Um, the thing I'd say is that if you swap these two managers around, I think Silva would have United firmly in the Champions League spaces, and I think Eric Ten Hag would have us just above the relegation zone. Right? I think. I think Ten Hag is is getting sort of, I think the heat is turning up a bit because there are some very odd things they seem to do. So you mentioned possession from the last time we were up there. He seems to have sort of decided that he doesn't want Man United to have the ball. I mean, Luton dominated the ball against Man United this weekend. He seems to sort of vacate the midfield and sort of leave Casemiro or the ghost of Casemiro, whatever's left of him, sort of trying to mark everybody else. I mean, there's definitely, definitely something on for us if we turn up and if we play to the best of our abilities. The thing that I think it will probably come down to is do we take chances that we're inevitably going to get because they give up a lot of chances and do they not take theirs because they make a fair few themselves? And we need old Money Mooners to stay hot going into the weekend if we're going to have a chance. I think the midfield is going to be really interesting. Um, Both Casemiro and Bruno, who we're all secretly hoping got suspended for this game, um, give the ball away a lot. Um, I think Kobe Miney looks unbelievable. And I know some people say he's only getting attention because he plays for a big six club, but I think he looks like a very, very good player. And it's a shame, like you said, that Joao Pelini is not around to sort of try and boss things in there. I would say, though, in the FA Cup game that we do not mention for obvious reasons, I thought Harrison Reed had an absolute stormer at Old Trafford. I thought it was the best I've ever seen him play for Fulham until things started to go wrong. Um, are we assuming that he comes in for Joao? Or, or does the sub of Lukic at the weekend make everyone think he's going to get an unlikely nod for this one? That was, that was my next... Reed. Yeah, that was my next question, funny enough. Uh, so thanks for taking the words right out of my mouth. Yeah, I, I mean, I could say from my perspective, I think it would be Reed as well. Um, it should be. But then do you go a bit more defensive and have Reed and Lukic? Or do you play Reed and Kearney? Because Kearney's one of those where you, when you want a bit more of the ball, he's very good on the ball. Um, if you want to go a bit further forward, are you keeping Kearney? Yeah, Dylan, what, what do you think? You said Reed as well, right? Yeah, I just think he's probably a bit more naturally suited to that that sort of holding midfield position. And I think over the, the course of the season, I know um, he, he's probably had a, he's had a fair bit more time, like a uh, fair bit more game time than than Lukic. So I think he's probably just a bit more game ready. He understands 
um, you know, the English game a little bit more because Lukic, you know, midfielder, but quite a weird sign. We've not really used him. He's not got a solid run of games. So I, I don't think it's really worth taking a punt on him here. Um, I know we're probably not the most, it's not the most likely result. Um, but I, don't, I just I just feel like, yeah, Reed's probably a bit of a safer bet. In with Kearney and then probably, I'd like to see a Wobi, uh, but I, I imagine it'll probably be Pereira again. It's a very interesting one, Lukic, isn't it? Because he started, mm. obviously he started a couple of games last year when Polina was suspended and had a bit of a howler away at Brentford, if I'm not mistaken. And then I thought when he, st- he started off this season in midfield, and I thought he actually started pretty well. He started to look a really good player and then got injured and couldn't get back in. Um Guys, please do correct me if I'm wrong, but I'd say on the whole, he's done all right when he's come on. Other than Chelsea away the other week, where he was horrendous when he came on, I'd say he's done okay. He was pretty good against Newcastle in the FA Cup game. Um, Is there any reason as to why Marco shouldn't pick him? Do you think if he does pick him that you'll, you know, how do you feel about that if that was to come about at two o'clock on Saturday? I wouldn't, personally, I wouldn't question his... Marco Silva's decision making. I don't think there's necessarily a case against Lukic. I just think there's probably more of a case for Harrison Reed, if that makes sense. I'm sure if if Lukic is in the team, it, it'll be fine and do a good job. I I think I'd just feel a bit safer if it was Reed playing. But um, maybe maybe Kish, your your opinion's a bit different to mine. I, I don't know. No, I think on the most important thing, which is always trusting Marco Silva, I'm I'm definitely in agreement with you. So if he goes for him, fair enough. I'll back the decision. Let's see how it goes. I think the thing for Lukic is. He, he looks like he wants a little bit more time on the board than he sometimes gets in the Premier League. Um, and I think when we're bossing a game, maybe that's absolutely fine. If things are getting a bit chaotic, which they often do with Man United at the moment, I just wonder if the tenacity of, of Harrison Reed is, is what you want for this one. And, you know, more generally, we spoke about my desire for a change of centre-halves. Um, I, I think that there's, with Willian out, it's more than likely that we'll see a Wobi off the left. And I'd be tempted to chuck Harrison, um, sorry, chuck Harry Wilson off the off the right wing. I think we need a little bit more from there. I know Marco loves Bobby's work rate off the ball and maybe you need that at United. But particularly if they're playing a makeshift left back, I think Wilson would surely have a field day with them. So, yeah, I, I hope we go for it because I think there is a team there that you can get at. And I think the best way to beat Man United is to get at them. Um, and I think we've got the tools to do that. And just finally, actually, on the team, one... One position that where I feel like we're pretty solid in terms of options is right back. However, Kenny Tete is really struggling to get a look in at the moment. And in my opinion, rightly so, because I think Timothy Castagna has been absolutely excellent this season. Um, definitely gone under the radar, actually. Guys, what what do you think it's going to take for Kenny to get back in the team? Is it going to take a Castagna injury? Because after Burnley away and that mistake by Tete leading to the second goal... You know, he didn't cover himself in glory, really. You know, what what are your thoughts on that right back position? Who is is Marco making the right call in your opinion? I know we say we can't question him and we trust him, but what what are you thinking about that position on the pitch at the moment? Uh, yeah, I think it's Castagna's position to lose. To be honest, um, yeah, I'm a huge fan of Tete, and he did actually score in our last last game at Old Trafford. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think Castagna has been playing so well, and you know that mistake at Burnley that Tete made doesn't doesn't really look good for 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 King Kenny. But um, no, I'm I'm not complaining. He's out of the team when when Castagna is as good as he is. I thought he was a a very astute pickup in the summer. Um, 
I remember what uh, I think he played when in that five three that sort of chaotic game we had um, against Leicester at the end of the back end of last season. I remember thinking it'd be it'd be great if we could go for someone like him, just to, you know provide some cover um, for the fullbacks. And he's come in and he's he's been one of the players of the season. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's probably Castanis to lose. Yeah, I, I think the thing about Castagna is that he's very consistent. You know, he's he's always a seven out of ten, and I think Kenny at his peak is is probably better than a seven out of ten. But we've seen a few too many appearances where it drops below that with with big mistakes. And there are other players in the team who have that same tendency to be really good when they're good and and to drop a clangor when they're when they're not on it. And just that dependability of of Castagna, I think, is is really useful, particularly when you're going somewhere somewhere like Old Trafford. I mean. As much as I don't know if I told you guys, but I I, I literally bumped into Tony Carl on the way to the game at the weekend. I sort of was on my phone and ran into him accidentally and his security. I mean, he's got a lot of things that he's not doing very well, but I think the trio of Bassi, Castagna, and Awobi have proven to be really really good signings. I think we needed a couple more, but I'm, I find it hard to complain about the, the standard those three have brought to the squad and. Um, Let's hope this summer there are a few more like like that and a, a few fewer like sort of the ever never available Adama. But maybe he's going to turn it all around at the weekend, and you can you can have me on to tell you why I was wrong. Mm. Thirteen million for Castagna, I think something along those lines. It, um, I mean, it is slightly unnerving. It's oh. a bargain, and it's a bargain in today's bargain in today's market market. Thirteen million, isn't it? Really, for a player of Premier League experience and that quality. Um, I think I think we've pulled it out of the bag. Um, as you say, he's got a lot of things wrong, but that deal that deal um, is is a good one. So, and we need more of that this this year. We need more investment in this squad, um, and the right investment. And then, fingers crossed, we'll be on to uh, we'll be building on we'll be building on last season, like we said this season we'd do, but we haven't. But fingers crossed, next season, third time lucky, bit of investment in this squad, and. Um, We'll be on the way. But Saturday, big game. What are your predictions? Dylan, I'm going to start with you because I know you're going to say we're going to lose. So just get it out of the way. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sadly going to go for a loss. Um, yeah, I'll go for 2-1. I'll go for two, one. Um, I think that's, that's pretty... Um, I think that's all right. Could, could sneak a 2-2 two, two, a Desmond. Um, but no, I just can't see us doing it on, on Saturday. I, obviously, I'd love it if we do. I would love it if we beat them, in the words of Kevin Keegan, ex-Fulham man. Um, but no, I just can't see it happening. Maybe, maybe, but I'll go for 2-1 United. And I would go uh, for Alex Iwobi to score a goal. Oh, nice. And Kish, you're going to the game as well. Um, what what do you think? It, uh, how do you think your journey to uh, Old Trafford's going to be? I, look, I'm always far too optimistic on this pod. I think it might be because the first time you had me on was after a five 0 win. So look, I'm going to go. For, I'm going to go for two two. I think both teams are going to score in this game. Uh, there's something about Man United that just doesn't feel sustainable at the moment. They, you know, they've got a goal difference of one. Um, mm. they, you they know, have they, won too many games in a row now. Or yeah, they, they've, they've, been... they've they've been winning a lot of games. And look, I, I think I've declared this on a on a previous podcast. My dad's a Man United fan. A lot of my friends are Man United fans. They always seem to think they're terrible, and yet they seem to win. Surely that can't go on forever. Surely Scott McTominay can't bail them out over and over again. Sorry if he scores now, guys. Um, so yeah, I'm going to go for two two. Um, I'd love to see Alex Iwobi get a goal. I wonder if we'll burgle one from a set piece as well. We're probably due one. And again, if you had a, a Tusson or a Calvin Bassey back in the side, a bit more height, a bit more aggression, 
we've been winning a lot of our first balls from corners on the on the attack, but none of them have been going in. Maybe that changes. Yeah, why not? Two all. Are you going to go for the win now? Oh, yeah, go on then. I'll say we'll win 2-1. We're going to sneak a 2-1. First away win in the league since August. But let's go for it. Let's say... Love it. Let's say Wilson and Money Moon is again. I reckon 5-4 and four for the boy. Um, look, as you say, they're, they're there to be had, aren't they, United? And look, left-back Luke Shaw could be injured. Who are they going to play? If they've got Lindelof at left-back, we've really got to take advantage of that. And centre-halves... We didn't take advantage of Evans and Maguire last time. Something we really have to do this time. And we look a better side now than a few months ago. So, yeah, I will be optimistic. I've not had a drink, by the way, um, for those listening. So, yeah, I'll be optimistic and say a 2-1 win. Um, Right, just before we go, um, obviously today it came out that Roy Hodgson had resigned from Palace or stepped down. Uh, Obviously it was in the news that he was going to be likely sacked last week, um, but fell ill. Just, we'll quickly, I know obviously this is a Fulham podcast, but Roy is a legend. We'll just talk about Hodgson. Guys, do you think this is this is it for him now? Is he, uh, do you think surely he's going to retire now, 76? Um, he's, he's had a good run, hasn't he? Yeah, I think for his own sake, he, he's got he's to call it in now and explore that one one corner of the world he hasn't managed in yet. I mean, he's, a, he's an absolute Fulham legend, an all-round legend. I'm sure Palace fans don't have a bad word to say about him. Um or neither of the many clubs and countries he's managed across his long and illustrious career. Um, so yeah, I just I hope I hope for his sake it's it is the end of the road for him and he can enjoy some peaceful downtime. And yeah, all the best to him. And Kish, our greatest ever manager, do you think? Yeah, I think that and until until Marco takes us to a final or gets us qualified for Europe. I mean, I think I think. That great escape side under Hodgson is probably when I really fell in love with Fulham and, and started to come to the cottage a bit more and came to the Europa League games. He's a, he's a gentleman. Um, he, he's a wise owl of the football world. And yeah, I think everyone associated with Fulham Football Club only wishes the best for him. I, I really enjoyed the game against Palace at the end of last season, which sort of became a de facto Roy Hodgson testimonial. And that was quite a nice way for us to be the last time we see him at the, at the cottage in the opposing dugout, probably. Um, and look, I think his statement today was was full of class, um, considering the way that things have gone the last couple of weeks and the very, very publicised links to another manager. I thought he, he went out in a in a very, very classy way. And look, if it wasn't for Diego Forlan, he'd have, he'd have brought home a European trophy to Fulham. So, you know, what else can you say about the man? Legend. And uh, yeah, I hope we see him back at the cottage watching football and enjoying his retirement. Yeah, absolutely. And we know uh, him and Marco Silva get on well, especially after that. Uh, interaction at Palace away on Boxing Day. Um, so yeah, obviously, what a great guy. He was a really nice man. I met him before. Um, yeah, and just a really, really nice bloke. Top man all round. So um, yeah, good luck to him. Right, I think that w- that is a good place to uh, to close for this week. Thanks very much to Dylan and Kish for joining me. And thanks to you as always for listening. We'll be back next week to review our trip to Old Trafford when we face Manchester United. Uh, we'll see you on Saturday. Come on, you whites. Fulham.